This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. Welcome to Bank Holiday Sunday. We shall call it Bank Holiday Sunday all the way through because I think Bank Holiday signifies the fact you don't have to do anything. If, of course, you're a working person, it's not really a Bank Holiday at all. It's just another day. And they were out there till really late. As we were, we were saying, with producer and I looking out the window at all these sort of people milling around outside in Leicester Square, thinking, don't they have any homes to go to? And she worked on the assumption that if you were still out and about and it was getting light, that's the time to go home. Omar Sharif in the papers today, hit by Alzheimer's. Uh, in time for the, uh, the Barbie season, the gadget that apparently can foil wasps. And Ireland says yes to the gay marriage proposal. So that's the best bit of news that they've ever had. It's LBC, I'm Steve Allen. And uh, loads to get through in the papers this morning. We take all your texts and uh, tweets and emails and carrier pigeons and just about anything on a Sunday morning. I'm here till eight o'clock every Sunday as we wander through in a light-hearted romp with the Sunday papers. There's also the story in the paper today of a seven-year-old who got grade eight on piano. Grade eight is seriously good. I think he's the youngest person ever to get grade eight. So he goes on, Britain's Got Talent... And he doesn't get through to the semi-finals. He's spurned in favour of a woman who wrote an ode to Apple Crumble. Now you know it's a fiddle. Now you know it's got nothing at all to do with talent. Now you know it's only to do with something really stupid. The changing face of Lewis Hamilton. Has he gone peculiar or something? He started wearing the oddest clothes. Now he's looking a little bit... Dare I say camp. I mean, because, to be honest with you, every time I see him, he's sort of done something strange with himself. Perhaps he's using makeup. I don't know. He just looks odd. He used to look quite rugged. Now he's started doing sort of poncy hairstyles. The clothes are nothing short of ludicrous. And he himself just looks a little bit alienated from it all. I mean, seriously, I've never seen a racing driver look so sort of effeminate. Not in his manner, but in his look. It's just really... He's, every time he's pictured now, he's wearing these really ludicrous clothes. Obviously, somebody said to him, let's kind of smarten you up and sort of, so you can mix with A-list Hollywood. But, of course, he can't hold a conversation. I've seen him being interviewed. It, it is like pulling teeth. Seriously. But now he's started looking really bizarre. Sherry Hewson is in the paper today. Uh, she wants to get a facelift to get a man. I have to advise Sherry Hewson that, you know, having a facelift is not going to help. It's the personality. She is mad as a barrel load of frogs. And I know because I've been out for lunch with her. And she is quite mad. When you see her on Loose Women and she's sort of... You, you think she's being funny. That, that's Sherry Hewson. That's Sherry Hewson. I don't really think she could be with, with somebody because I think they'd have to be either incredibly patient or gay. I don't think they're going to actually survive in her world at all because it is lollipops and pink ice cream all the way through. Seriously, I mean, she's, she's hilarious, but I don't think there's a serious side, and I think that could be a little bit wearing. And therein lies the crux of David Walliam's marriage decline. I was talking about this to somebody who knows him the other day, and we were both guessing, I suppose, really, on why David Walliam's marriage didn't work. And I think that Lara must have got sick to death of all the of all the sort of the face pullings and the sort of showing off and the you know, the just just him being him. Just him being him and sort of playing up to Simon Cowell and doing it for all that and she probably got a little bit bored. She probably thought but I thought he was an actor. But when you see him in Little Britain, because we're ladies, you know, that's how he behaves in life and it's a bit difficult really. And I suppose she must have thought it was a little bit a little bit you know, wearing. So she kind of gave up after that, I suppose. Who bin, who, who, bint, who bought Prince Andrew's watch? Do you see him the other day? Very carefully, prominently displaying a gold 
Apple Watch worth 12,000 quid. You don't think old freebie Andy, do you, with his Air Miles, actually paid for it? Apparently, the word... I mean, you'd think they could give you a straightforward answer, don't you? So they phone up Buckingham Palace. I'm sorry, where, where did he get it from? Uh, as usual, you know, the, the list will be printed next year of all the gifts that he's received. What, you can't tell us now? Did he get it for free? Did he pay for it? As usual, the list will be published a year in advance and anybody to see what gifts people have been given. Oh, right, so it was a gift, was it? In nine, in 2016, the list will be published, and so they go on. You know, they are like a little gramophone, a little repeating parrot. You know, so did he buy it? Did he not buy it? Of course, the chances are I got it for free, because he was wearing it so prominently, because, you know, you can practically buy Prince Andrew, as you know. We've seen some of his very strange friends, ladies and gentlemen. And so he was wearing it the other day. And uh, old Air Miles Andy, who actually doesn't really do any work, he just sort of just shilly-shallies around doing things. A bit like his daughter, Princess Beatrice, on her, what is it, 17th holiday in six months. What a waste of space. What a waste of space. A bit like Sarah Ferguson. She turned up in Cannes. Of course, it was a charity thing, so that's OK. You can't say anything about charity things. You just have to put it down to the fact that she turns up and you go, oh, God, it's Sarah Ferguson again. Currently advertising, what is it, liquidizers in America under sort of the Duchess's range. I mean, talk about clinging on to it. That's all she's got, though, isn't it, really? Uh, Paul Ross and his wife have split, which is a shame. And I only mention it because it's in the papers this morning. You remember Paul had a bit of a disaster. I will repeat it for you, because I think it was really unfair. I think it was very unfair. I worked with, uh, with Paul Ross. He worked here for a while. I thought he was charming. I thought he was flirtatious. I thought he was very good, great communicator and everything else. And, and I had, it never crossed my mind that he might have crossed over to the other side. Seriously. And you remember, the story was that he, uh, he met uh, a man on a roundabout, apparently, like you do. I generally go round them in the car, but he met this man on a roundabout. And they had a fling, and uh, there were all sorts of substances involved and, and things like that. And it all became a little bit messy. Anyway, he then decided that he wanted to finish. He didn't want this relationship to go any further. And um, unfortunately, the man was quite clearly one of the Doolally Brigade because he turns up at the radio station where he works, shouting the odds, you know, because he was snubbed and all the rest of it. Personally, I thought he was a vile person. And then he goes to the newspapers. You know, I mean, can you imagine you go out with somebody and then the person doesn't want to go out with you. And because you're somebody who is well known, they go to the newspapers. Seriously, I mean, I couldn't believe it either. Uh, But uh, Paul Ross and his wife sat there and they answered all the questions. Did you have an affair with this man? Yes. Did it finish? Yes. Did you take this? Yes. He was perfectly honest about it. And uh, he'd moved into a little village. And I remember him telling me when he moved into the village that they were a bit odd in this village where he lived because they don't like outsiders coming in. And he had what they call, I think it's called a flying buttress bedroom. They used it, it was done on Come Dine With Me. And the flying buttress bedroom is where your bedroom forms part of next door's property. Does that make any sense to you? So in other words, you've got your house, but the bedroom is part of their property. So it, it, it's very difficult to explain. I think it's called a flying buttress. But anyway, whatever it was, he said that, you know, they'd had all sorts of problems. And we had a producer here at the same time who also moved into a village. And they'd, uh, they'd damaged his car and all sorts of things. Anyway, then Paul and his wife, he, he sort of gets back into sort of normal mode. And uh, then I read in the papers today they've split. She's living 100 miles away, which must make it very difficult. Because I think he's got something like four daughters occasionally people go off the rails. Occasionally people wander into territory that they're unfamiliar with. Or It doesn't make any difference to us. He's over the age of 21. I couldn't care less. Couldn't care less. Makes it difficult, though, if you're, if you're in a marriage and you've got daughters and people go, what have you done? And you just have to, you know, just kind of live and get on with it. Over in Ireland, my, my friend um, 
uh, Pudrig, who used to work as, as my producer here at LBC. In fact, he worked as lots of people's producers, and we see each other on a regular basis. He was so excited about the vote in Ireland that he was going back there to vote for gay marriage. But he was exempt. Why was he exempt? Because he's lived out of the country for 18 months. And if you live out of the country for 18 months, you're not eligible. And so he was tweeting, saying, I'm absolutely gutted. I'm not allowed to vote. It was an historic vote. It was, what was it, 70% uh, in favour, 30% again. I didn't realise there were so many gays in Ireland. No idea. Chock-a-block. Chock-a-block. But, you know, it's, it's a historic thing. OK, so they find people on the television who were saying, oh, I don't agree with it. But that's people who believe everything that they read in the Bible. You know, whereas I think the Bible is an interpretation. You can interpret it in any way you want. And so, you know, people who, who, who don't want to, you know, have things like that, it's not going to make any difference to you. They're not exactly going to come round on your door and paint you with a freedom flag or something or sort of put a big cross on the door saying you don't like homosexuals. You know, that's not going to happen. It's just that, you know, we've moved on. We're in the year 2015. Ireland, you know, relatively small, tiny little place. They've sort of pushed the boundaries. All right, there might be a few people, but the majority of people, and it's quite a big majority, 70 against 30%, have voted in favour of gay marriages. Why shouldn't they? Goodness sake, live and let live. It's like, you know, it doesn't make any difference. Next thing, they'll be discriminating against disabled people. You know, people with one arm, one leg, people with no heads, all sorts of things. So, in fact, that was good. I was quite pleased. I did tweet the other day, you know, Ireland's got to vote yes, and Ireland voted yes, which was good. I felt very sad for um, for the uh, Grange Hill actor who was found dead at home. They reckon he'd been, um, I think, a month at home, which I thought was even more tragic. That's uh, Benny. And I, I thought to myself, I felt very sorry for him because he was only 50. I don't think there's any... Anything uh, suspicious. He did drink. That's uh, Terry Supat. And he was Benny Green. I think most people over a certain age will remember him from Grainchill. If you didn't, then you'll certainly remember him when you see the picture of him. He was uh, Todd Carty's best friend in it. Um, he drank, you know, for, for reasons best known to himself. But, you know, to be by yourself for a month, I think, is the tragic thing. Not to have any friends, not to have people who were there to look after you. And they've done a thing, actually, which they do every so often. Every time something happens, they do a thing of, where are they now? You know, for Roland, apparently, is sort of still around. And um, he's uh, 45. Uh, Susan Tully, still around, of course. Everybody knows that Todd Carty. Ziggy, I think, is still around, works mainly in theatre. I think it's nice that they're still going, aren't they? Because most of us grew up... With Grange Hill, but he had a, a tragic, lonely end. And there, I think, lies the uh, the crux of it, that you can be big one minute and known by millions of kids throughout the country. And everybody loved it, absolutely loved it. And then you can die and there's nobody there for you at the end. Great shame. Bridget says, did you know the wonderful new drama on Sunday evenings, Jonathan Strange and Mr Norrell, was filmed at Wentworth Woodhouse? God, I'm telling everybody about Wentworth Woodhouse. I'm telling everybody. I want the National Trust to buy it. Because I think it, it's, it's a project that only the National Trust could undertake. Only they. You know the story of it. You can find it on, uh, on the internet. You can find it on Google. Uh, it features on one of those house programmes. Look at really unusual houses. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Irrespective of the fact that it was owned by a stinking rich family, it is absolutely something that we're proud of in this country. We're proud of our heritage. We're proud of the mansions that are still out there. If you came to London... And you saw the decimation of places that were pulled down. If you look at Park Lane, 
which is sort of bordering Hyde Park on one side and then Park Lane. And then there used to be mansions. It was mansion after mansion after mansion. And gradually they fell into disrepair and gradually they got pulled down. But these were places where the super rich lived, really super rich. That I think on Park Lane in London now, there are only three of the original mansions left and they stick out like sore thumbs. You can't fail to notice them because they're bigger than average houses and it would have been party season. The rich would have partied in London then they would have gone out to the country. In the case of uh, Wentworth Woodhouse, they used to have so many big parties and as I said the other day, five and a half miles of corridor. So they used to issue the guests with coloured confetti which they could drop on the ground so they could find where, the, where their room was. Five and a half miles of corridors. You can imagine traipsing backwards and forwards going, I certainly need the toilet. I certainly need to find a toilet. It's quarter past... Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's uh, Sunday, the 24th of May. It's nice to have your company. It's the bank holiday weekend. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. We call it early breakfast because I know most of you have been up for hours and hours. Somebody wrote to me saying early breakfast. What is such a thing? And if you look at all the... The radio listings, they all say early breakfast. They have an early breakfast show, and it starts at four on most stations. During the week, I start at four. I am, to politely put it in The Guardian's radio critics' uh, review of this programme, the Duracell bunny of early morning radio. <laughs> I wasn't sure whether that was a compliment. I think it is, actually. I think the idea, he goes on and on and on and on, because the programme is so energised. And the reason the programme is so energised, because it's so easy, isn't it, at four in the morning, to be tired. And people have asked me before, they say, do you go home to bed? It's a good grief, no. What do you think? I stay up till four in the morning. I couldn't manage that at all. No, I go to bed. It's a normal day for me. This is, you know, I'm up this morning, had my shower, don't, haven't watered the plants yet. I did go to a garden centre. We went to one garden centre yesterday, uh, down near Southampton in Romsey, which is uh, where uh, that beautiful house, I can't remember what the house is called down there, the Mountbatten's uh, used to live in this house. It'll come to me in a moment. And we went to a, a lovely garden centre, no hanging baskets. I began to think perhaps we've left it too late because I've ordered hanging baskets. So I've got some coming from Paul Cooper. And in the end, we had to shoot over to a place called Haskins, which is also very near Southampton. And luckily, they had loads of hanging baskets. And I suddenly realised garden centres now, they're not just garden centres. They're not just places you go to buy plants. Oh, no, 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 no. They've got a huge gift section. They do sweets. They do... Everything. And they've got the biggest cafeteria I've ever seen. Staffed by, you know, really polite young people. You know, and we don't sometimes have a lot of time for young people, but really polite. The food looks amazing. I've eaten there before and it was really, really nice. Roasts and salads and fish. And, and they really cater for everybody. It's such a big deal now going to a garden centre. You don't go there just to buy plants. And they've got a, a huge gift area where they sell everything. Absolutely everything. And it was wonderful. So I, I bought... Uh, two hanging baskets for me, two for my brother, one for his girlfriend and another plant, and it was just £76, which I thought was fairly cheap, actually. I was, I was thinking it was going to cost me a lot more than that, and they're really lovely. So uh, I was going to water them yesterday when I got back, but I didn't bother, because I thought, no, I'll, I'll do it later on today. I'm just going to have a lazy day today. Joe and her mum went out. They were having lunch in a cafe opposite the Ritz with the beautiful cakes, and the family next to us changed their toddler's nappy at the table. Nobody said a word to them. Oh, dear. I don't, don't agree with that at all. That's almost as bad as the breastfeeding, isn't it? Oh, that'll get people going. But, uh, no, changing a nappy at the table. Oh, disgusting. Disgusting. That really, but they, 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 they can't be British. The British people wouldn't do that. That's why we've got, you know, toddler changing rooms. You don't sit at a table 
Mind you, we've heard of stories before where people who are diabetic have been told to stop injecting at the table. And yet it takes but about, you know, 30 seconds to do an injection. And you don't exactly rip your shirt off and do it. You just lift your shirt up. and do I've done it quite a few times. But this was a, a boy who was asked to go and do it in the toilet. They thought it was upsetting people watching him doing an injection. Can't imagine why. But, uh, no, changing a nappy, Joe, I, I agree with you. That's, that's about... That's, that's pushing it as far as it can go, I think. It's not very pleasant, is it, at all? Um, I saw your review, courtesy of uh, listener Dan. Excellent. Oh, Twinkle has died. Really? Twinkle Ripley? Twinkle... No, really? Twinkle Ripley uh, was most famous for that song, Terry. Do you remember that one, everybody? She was 66. Good Lord, Twinkle Ripley. She came in... I did an interview with Twink- Twinkle Ripley years and years ago. Not here, but somewhere else. Oh, crikey. 1964. And she was, uh, she was 66. Well, oh, good Lord above. Honestly, I keep hearing all these people who are dying around me at the moment. I didn't feel too good myself about five minutes ago. Bit of a twinge going on. I thought, oh dear, I don't want to go down this road. And uh, another one here. This is from, uh, from Carol, 84850. Steve at LBC. It's a flying freehold. She said, but I quite like flying buttress. No, it's buttress, not buttress. Buttress. And I think, you know, I've suddenly realised what a flying buttress is. I think it's on castles. I'm pretty certain it's, it's castles. Pretty I might be wrong, but I'm pretty certain the flying buttress is on a castle. Uh, Guten Morgen von Wien. Yes, over in Vienna, where they're sort of probably just about coming down now. Our correspondent, Paul Hollingdale, says, Early morning here, and the city is still celebrating its success as hosts of... Eurovision. All throughout the night, the bars and the clubs full with local Euro fans and many guests who travelled from far and wide to enjoy the 60th anniversary of an event that just grows in stature every year. As expected, and I think Paul himself uh, guessed this one, Sweden was the winner, but it was a close call until almost the end of the voting. His song Heroes has been a favourite to win a month or so before the contest began. Russia's glamorous Polini Gagarina came a worthy second with her song A Million Voices, and it was a standout performance from Italy's trio Il Volo, singing their ballad Grande Amore, which secured them third place. Unfortunately, the UK's Electro Velvet uh, rated fairly low. Only ten points. The standard of the songs was high. All the countries entered seriously without producing any acts that have often come in for ridicule in past years. Conchita Wuscht, Star of the show, she sang two songs from her debut album, which has already gone platinum in Europe just a week after its release. So it's all over for another year, and Vienna can, can congratulate itself for producing a truly spectacular show, which included an amazing interval act uh, featuring a percussionist who led a team of musicians and singers weaving their magic as they did music by well-known Austrian composers. The display almost matched Riverdance, which was the highlight of Eurovision in the 90s. And uh, the city is already looking forward to welcoming thousands of tourists this year, which will no doubt be enhanced by those who watch the contest. Question is, Steve, when are you coming back? Paul Hollingdale. I don't know. I've not been back to Vienna for, for many a year. I did, I did watch something the other day, actually. I watched it just before the, the programme. I've seen them a few times. You must watch it, Paul. It's on YouTube and it's Australia's Got Talent. And I think it's called... It's called... I think they're called Brothers 3. And it's three Australian young guys who sing and play guitars and 
I thought they were sensational. I'm hoping they've got an album out. I haven't actually checked on that. But if you watch them through from their first audition, so Brothers 3 on YouTube from Australia's Got Talent, there's a couple of blondes and a, a dark... They, they look as though they, it, it could be a comedy group, but they sing and play fantastically, and they do a lovely version of The Proclaimers, 500 Miles, which is, which is really good. And I thought you in particular would actually like that. I thought you in particular would like it because it, it just it just makes you feel sort of, I don't know, it just makes you feel elated. Very good indeed. Uh, Lawson says, a bedroom located above a neighbouring property is known as a flying freehold. A flying buttress is found on an ancient church or cathedral. There you go. I, I, think, I think I know what it looks like as well, actually. I think, it, but I mean, at least I'm heading in the right direction. <laughs> Many people couldn't at this time of the morning, could they? 84850 uk. Uh, Sean says, my son's type 1 diabetic. We never ask to inject when out. Uh, we would not ask to blow your nose, which is my reply. I've stopped. Oh, exactly. I would always, always inject. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take any notes if anybody said, what are you doing? Seriously. It's like sitting on a, a chair. If anybody comes up to me and says, what are you... Um, so you can't sit in there. I go, I've got a heart complaint. You're seriously asking me to move with a heart complaint? <laughs> Don't risk it. Not with me. Our entry was rubbish, says Nicola. Is that the best we can do? Yes, it was, actually. Sorry about that. We did, I think we came one from bottom, didn't we? Or two from bottom. Not so great. Not so great. And I agree with what you said about Lewis Hamilton. I call him Mr Personality. He's undergone a, str- a fairly strange, radical makeover. He looks like they've sort of scrubbed him up or something. But he just, he just looks peculiar. His clothes are laughable. Seriously, he's wearing some of, the, some of the worst things I've ever, ever seen. Somebody always says, oh, put all this on and you'll be sort of trending or trendy which I don't think is very likely. Uh, 84850, uh Christine, I think, was, was listening to uh, Christo, thought he was very brave to talk about the vote in Ireland, because, of course, what it does, it brings out the bigots. It brings out, you know, the anti-gays and all that, which, I mean, everybody's entitled to an opinion, but it's a bit tedious in this day and age, isn't it, really? I said, what are you, anti-gay? Dear, what a shame, you poor soul, honestly. You can't have any friends, can you, really? No friends, and they're probably also, they're probably anti-Semitic, they're racist. They, they, they generally have the whole gamut of things, don't they? And that's why. I never believe them, actually. I always think they're just liars. I never believe anybody who says they're, they're homophobic. Why would you be homophobic? What's got to do with you? What people do? I never, I never quite get to grips with that at all. It's like vegetarians. Mind you, I've never understood vegetarians. Never. We'll go through the, uh, the papers just after the news, because there are stories in there. There are some... There are stories which are quite serious, and there are some stories which, which aren't quite serious. You know that the uh, Top Gear team been out on the road doing these shows, which apparently have sold even more tickets than usual. And I believe Clarkson's been paid about a million by the BBC. They must gross a fortune. They're doing them in stadiums, and people want to see them. I don't care, you know, that he sort of hit a producer or laid into a... Pro- I'm really not interested in that. It's got nothing to do with us. The producer never complained. Why would anybody else complain about it? It's up to the producer, isn't it? Producer never complained. I just felt sorry for the fact that they ended up without the programme. And I was hoping, seriously, the programme would have continued. It sort of get over the... The BBC go, oh, we can't seriously endorse, you know, that kind of thing. Like when Richard Bacon was caught doing the old Columbian... And uh, and Biddy Baxter had to come on and make an, you know, and sort of say, you know, the reason that we've done it, children. And I thought, oh, for God's sake, why, why don't you just wander through the BBC? I bet, you know, if you checked every single toilet in the BBC, you'd probably find there was a bigger drug problem there than there is in the outside world. It's by the, you know, the law of averages. Every time I watch that Australia border control, they're forever finding cocaine. Forever finding cocaine. Well, I'm afraid you've just shown positive. They sort of, we're just doing a swab inside your case. Or it's the people that deal with the parcels. And the parcels arrive. 
and they put them through thinking, well, that looks a bit odd, doesn't it? They had one the other day, it was, a, it was an engine that came in that was packed with heroin. And they saw it on... Don't these people, when you know, the, the drug smugglers, when they're sending stuff by post, don't they realise what an X-ray is, or are they too simple? The X-ray can see through things. It can see whether you... you know, it's like X-raying somebody's body. You could see if they've got uh, condoms that they've swallowed with, with drugs. You could see them. It's an X-ray. It looks through things. Perhaps they don't realise. But everything goes through the X-ray machine. They've got sniffer dogs... And then they've got the x-ray machine. So they find 99.9% of it. Occasionally, occasionally, it goes a bit wrong and they lose it. But most of the time, they do they do find stuff. More of your texts and emails coming up in a moment. What have the papers got to say to you this morning? Quite a lot. It's 6... Th- Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to uh, 7. It's Sunday, the 24th of May. I'm hoping... Hoping today is going to be a, a nice day. I think they've said rain a little bit later on. Uh, Claire is enjoying the programme at the moment. Sally says, I went to bed early with a packet of Valium to watch the Eurovision Song Contest. Do we, uh, did we have to vote for the best song or the most attractive singer? No, you've got to vote for the song. But we never. they don't like us. They really don't like us. I don't think they've ever liked us in Eurovision. We turn up dutifully, don't we? Bless our hearts. And we haven't won it for ages. Sweden, I think. I think Sweden have won it... I think, is that their sixth time? I can't remember whether they've won it. I think the last time, yeah, the last time they won it was with ABBA. Was with ABBA. So I think they've actually won six times. But that's great, actually. I think that's great. I don't, I don't have, a, have a problem with that. So sixth win, 41 years after ABBA's. 41 years after ABBA. My, my. What was, they did do Waterloo, didn't they? When you, th- when you look back at how dated it looks. Then you look at all our great songs. And then you look at some of the things. We didn't even know who it was, did we, on Friday? We didn't know at all. We really didn't know. And then I, I told everybody, went, oh, right, <laughs> that's it. And Paul was misleading us over in Vienna, Paul Hollingdale. He was saying, oh, it's being received quite well. Well, obviously nobody votes for us. I don't know why. They all want to come and live here, don't they, because of the benefits. But they, they don't want to vote for us. I don't know why we bother doing it anymore. But uh, I do enjoy watching. Uh, Christine says, of course people don't believe in the Bible, but most of them have never even read it. No, exactly. I think people who would actually phone up a radio station and, and complain about the vote in Ireland are people who are... They, they're generally liars. They generally haven't read anything. They generally don't... You know, they're, they're just sort of being stupid. Just being a bit silly. Uh, 84850, Steve at uk. The nappy changing. And, uh, and Sonia says, I was having a coffee in the library at, uh, at Romford. Library? Liberty. And a woman changed her baby and put the nappy un- under her seat. Oh, dear. But perhaps they do that in some of these other countries. I don't know. Perhaps we have to accept this. I don't want to. I wouldn't be eating in any place that allowed anybody to nappy change. I don't even like people going in local Starbucks. You get all the schoolgirls who go in there and they sit on the back of the chairs. I'm sorry, get your feet off the furniture. But of course, the, you know, the girls don't, don't say anything. I'd be saying it. I would. Uh, 84850. Ian says, with Australia's inclusion in the Eurovision Song Contest, will they be applying for EU membership and relocating their embassy to Earl's Court? That would be quite funny, wouldn't it? Do you think they still... Is it still full of Australians around Earl's Court? I thought it was Shepherd's Bush, actually. Um, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, I, incidentally, don't believe the hype about Prosecco. Martin Spencer's got it back in again. I bought it yesterday. I bought it back. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, Ian says, uh, Sweden won it in 2012. The singer was Loreen. Loreen. Oh, right. Never even heard of it before. But uh, I, I didn't really follow it. I, I used to like all the German entries. Some of them were really good, really good songs. 
And, uh, and then people say, oh, you can't vote for Germany. I say, well, listen, I do remember the uh, the war, but I don't, well, I do remember the war. I don't remember the war, but I remember sort of people, you know, being sort of a little bit anti-German, a bit anti-Japanese and stuff like that. Didn't surprise me, says Lynn, that Ireland voted yes, but I was amazed to hear that up until 22 years ago, homosexuality was still a criminal offence. Yes, I know. You can't believe it, can you, really? You can't believe it. Let's have a look at the papers for you this Sunday morning. We might as well sort of cheer you up or not, as the case may be. Uh, the Sunday Mirror have uh, Sherry Hewson. They sort of have four stories. Uh, Groomzilla Mark, that's the one with the Kim Jong-un hairstyle, uh, thinks he's as famous as George Clooney. Uh, Grange Hill's tragic Benny lay dead in his home for a month, which I think is the biggest tragedy of all. I think that's absolutely awful. I, I could weep for him. Uh, Sherry Hewson, why I'm having a facelift to get a man, won't help Sherry. It really won't help. It doesn't. It's, it's personality. And Susan Boyle's been quizzed by police over a family feud. Can't, do you think Susan Boyle's got a temper on her? I do hope so. <laughs> I'd hate to think she didn't have. Hate to think she didn't have. Uh, the food at the, at the wedding today... They say the wedding of the year, but it's not really. Uh, is uh, fish and chips and pie and mash. God, how cheap and low rent. Love that expression, low rent. Uh, so here's, um, here's Susan Boyle, questioned by the police after a bust-up with a relative. Poor old Susan Boyle, on anyway. All she wants to do is have a close family and be happy. But with her condition, Susan can be overexcited and overreact. Yes, I think we've seen that on the television, haven't we? Uh, Victoria Pendleton is hoping to get a part on EastEnders. Oh dear, why? Why? Apparently she likes a bit of the limelight. Don't they all? Don't they all? They love it. Here's Sherry Hewson on her looks insecurity. She said, I want to meet somebody and fall in love. Oh, Sherry, dear, I mean, how old is she now? It's a little bit difficult to uh, to find out. She's good at matchmaking. She's very good at matchmaking, but some people are, aren't they? And um, friends call me the Scylla Black of Benidorm because of my matchmaking, but I don't have confidence to find somebody myself. But why would you worry about it? Don't worry about it. Listen, as long as you like yourself, that's great. You've got your daughter. Don't worry about it. Do not worry about it. Not worth it. Lots of pictures of um, of Mr Clarkson back having fun with a live arena show and a, a million pound after he's axed. It wasn't for that at all. This is probably what they've got for the uh, for the actual shows because they've all sold out. I mean, they've done tremendous... Because people like him. I don't care what anybody else says. I'm not remotely interested. You can't go around hitting people. Of course you can. Of course you can. That's the whole idea of having assistant producers. They're there to be hit. They love it. Seriously. If you're a producer working at the BBC and they go, you're an assistant producer, you're expecting to go home with bruises. That's the only reason people know you've got a job there. What are you working on? Wait a minute, count the bruises. One, two. You work on Top Gear. I do. That's how excited people get. Wouldn't work here, of course, because hit the assistant producers here, they'd hit you back. Which actually I think is fair. Before you know where you are, you've got fisticuffs going on. It's all a bit great. I watched a super film yesterday. I know it's an old film and I know it's, uh, it's a really old film, but it just gives you a snapshot of, 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 how, of how wonderful your childhood can be. And it's called Melody. And I've talked about it before. You all know what it is. It's uh, Jack Wilde and it's uh, the bloke from Oliver. Who will buy this wonderful... And it's about falling in love. It's about falling in love. And it's got the music from the Bee Gees in it. It's a really super little film. It really is. It's just, I wanted to go around to some of the places where they went to in the East End where they were filming. Really, really lovely. Really, really lovely films. You get a chance to get it. Uh, get it. And watch it. Because it's uh, it good. And it just makes you feel nice about childhood. And you think, God, I remember things like that. And you know if you fall in love for the first time? Ghastly, isn't it, really? I know. It's awful when you fall out of love. Or you sort of, you just, you know, or feeling that they, they say, I don't want to go out with you anymore. And you go, what? 
Christo apparently was spilling the beans on his relationship earlier on. He went out with somebody for two weeks, which actually for him is about, you know, 13 days longer than he's managed any of the other ones. I mean, it's, it's, they're, they're normally sort of a day and then it's all finished. But uh, two weeks he went out with somebody until they discovered he was psychotic, he said, and then it, uh, then it all finished. Perhaps he should get together with Sherry Hewson and make it more interesting. I don't know if he had um, a Eurovision party. He generally does. Well, he, he, he talks about the Eurovision party, but it's generally just him and a packet of Pringles and a small bottle of Lambrusco. And that's, that's just about it, actually. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, Ray says, miles away from Ireland. Very proud to be Irish today. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I, I agree with you totally. Should be immensely proud. Why not? A little bit late in happening, isn't it, really? But uh, it happened, and that's why it changed. Uh, Stephen said, I've just watched Brothers 3, 500 Miles. Isn't it fantastic? Is it just... I'll tell you, I was, I was watching it on my computer out there, and I thought, I, I love it when I mention something on the programme, and you immediately go and check it out. So that's on YouTube. It's from the Australia's Got Talent, and uh, some of them do. Check out the, uh, the Reese. Uh, twins. Is it Royce twins? The Royce twins. They're very good as well. Very good. They're on there. They break your heart. They do. But uh, to watch Brothers 3 singing 500 Miles is just, it's so well done. And, and as, the, as the panel say afterwards, they just want you to, you know, it, they, they just make you feel good. It's very infectious. Very infectious. Uh, yes, Jodie Kidd. Thank you. Not Jodie Marsh, honestly, Andrew. Goodness sake, honestly. <laughs> it's been in all the papers, incidentally. It has been there. It has been there. Uh, one here on... Um, it's mango season in Goa. And uh, Stevie's out there picking mangoes. How lovely. You know I love mangoes. You know I absolutely adore ma- Oh, lovely. Look at those. They look nice, don't they? I love mango. I don't think mango likes me. I just get, I always, when I go down to my brother, apart from sort of buying him little bits and pieces, and he's just been on holiday, he went to the Dominican Republic, okay? Now, to be honest with you, I've never been to the Dominican Republic, and my friend Paul Cooper also went to the Dominican Republic, and my brother came back on Friday, and when I saw him yesterday, I said, what was it like? He said it was fantastic, fantastic. They they upgraded to a super hotel where they had... Uh, bar service around the pool area, waiters coming round to you, designated waiters who would do it. And he said they were all inclusive. He said the good thing is the Dominican Republic, he said apart from the fact it's full of Americans and there are a lot of overweight people, a lot of overweight people there, but it, the food was fantastic. He said the staff could not have been better. When they, when they sort of meet you, they say, thank you for coming and visiting us. You know, we're like, we're like family and you're now part of our family. Uh, the drinks all were free. But he said it wasn't just... Normally when you go to these all-inclusive, they have the local hooch. This was all branded drinks. You know, Bacardi rum and Grant's whiskey and, you know, Jack Daniels and all these kind of things. And that's what Paul said to me. He said, first thing he said to me, he said, it's all brand... I said, I don't know what you're going to say. It's all branded drinks. And he said, yeah. And they loved it. The weather was gorgeous. He said, there's a nice breeze that blows through. He said, they were... I said, was it clean? That's all I care about on holiday. Is the route... He said, they were permanently cleaning permanently cleaning it's a bit like around here permanently cleaning and he said it was fantastic and paul said exactly the same they both really enjoyed it so there's a recommendation go and check out that because it's uh, it sounds like the place to go to they had beautiful weather up in the 30s nice breeze that blows through so there's not a lot of air conditioning there is air conditioning but the breeze blows through and uh, the food you could eat in any of the five restaurants in the Dominican Republic he said but it is full of Americans and uh, Canadians I said but it doesn't bother me I said I get on really well with Americans and Canadians 
Those are the sort of people I get on. Well, I get on well with most people, but the Americans and the Canadians are always fascinated by the accent, aren't they? Especially when you go to reception, you go, "Good morning, hello, how are?" You? They always think they're in a Merchant Ivory movie, which of course they're not. But it's a good place to go to. He said he absolutely loved it, and Paul Cooper said he absolutely loved it as well. So with the the mangoes in Goa at the moment, he said the only thing that isn't good they can't do sausages. There's no point in going to the Dominican Republic for sausages because it's like America. They've got the worst sausages in living memory. I don't know why they can't make them like ours. They're little tiny things, you know, about that big. Little tiny things. Get about four in your mouth at the same time. It's ridiculous. Whereas I like, you know, I like a big pork banger. I really do. Quarter to seven. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, it's really nice to be company. Ten to seven. Bank, it doesn't really matter, does it, what, what the time is. It's, uh, it's the bank holiday Sunday. You don't need to get out of bed. You might as well stay in bed, have your tea and toast, and then think, what shall we do today? What shall we do today? And the answer is, you can do just about anything. I'm just trying to find the, um, the weather for today. Let's see if I can just have a quick, uh, quick check here. It must be around somewhere, mustn't it? Uh, and just find out if it's, it's going to be good, bad, or indifferent, because I'm totally convinced this morning I heard somebody say, and there's going to be a little bit of rain around, and I thought, well, that's OK. I could do a little bit of rain. I don't want to do too much rain, thank you very much indeed. But I can do certainly a little bit of it, but now I can't find the weather. doesn't really help, does it? Things disappear around here. One minute I've got... It looks, looks fairly sunny outside. looks fairly sunny outside, and uh, once I've found the weather, I shall, I shall bring it to you. In the meanwhile, let's go back with the uh, the papers. Uh, Tim Healy, the Geordie actor, says he could have been an opera star. Um, he probably could have been, actually. Never thought about that. Never thought about it. And uh, here's a bloke. He's TV bargain hunter Dan Hill. I've never heard of him either. Apparently he picked up a £5,000 diamond ring for £1.50 at a car boot sale. Dan, as I say, who nobody's ever heard of before, known for his catchphrase, I'll have some of that. I do beg your pardon. Perhaps I'm living in a different world. Who is he? I've never even heard of him. He's on Dave's Storage Hunters UK. I'm sorry, we don't know who you are, dear. And your catchphrase is, I'll have some of that. Good heavens, how interesting you must be. How interesting. Uh, X Factor Chris. This is uh, Chris Maloney. Has apparently had £60,000 worth of cosmetic surgery. After being on the show, left him depressed, balding and paranoid. God, now you know how Christo feels. I mean, really. I mean, Christo didn't even appear on the show. And he's very fed up with everything, and he's had all sorts of things done. Goodness sake. Uh, Kevin O'Sullivan, talking about the uh, the British Soap Awards. Not a fan. Not a fan. Uh, Benefit Street. He said Channel 4's boring Benefit Street druggie Maxwell was reeling after a climatic row with his girlfriend. She wanted to see the X Factor, revealing unexpectedly good taste. He didn't. So vehemently did they disagree that they're no longer a couple. So it's true. Simon Cowell's show really does change lives. <laughs> I love Kevin. I love Kevin when he's, when he's being very bitter about things, because that's the, that's the time I like it. You know, it takes years to cultivate being very bitter and twisted. I think I've made it an art form. Uh, the Daily Star today. Who have we got on the front page? Oh, look, little Kim. Kim Marsh flogging her dreary, dull existence. This is Kim Marsh. Drifts in a relationship. Drifts out of a relationship, drifts into a relationship, drifts out of a relationship. And every time she drifts in and out, 
She sells a story to a magazine. It's so boring. Why don't you concentrate on acting? Do us all a favour. Try and have a bit of dignity. Don't make yourself look cheap and silly. It's ridiculous. So she's uh, turning on the twists and turns of wedding week like anybody cares, dear. I understand how it's meant to be, but nobody cares about you. I'm sorry to break it to you, but I couldn't care less whether you're going out with somebody, not going out with somebody. It's of no interest to me. I'm more interested in uh, loopy rap star Snoop Dogg. He's trying to come up with a new name for himself. Um... He has uh, used different ones. He's, he's had Snoopzilla, uh, Big Snoop Dog, and even Snoop Lion. And now he's, he's trying to work out some other... It must be really confused. Why do these people give themselves funny names? Why can't I just call himself Eric? Or something like that. Why do they have to... Snoop Dog? What does that mean? doesn't mean anything. Oh, Kerry Coke Tonus uh, flogging another story. Apparently she's on the verge of a breakdown. Oh, well, there you go. It's got to be something, hasn't it? I need to be something around the corner. And apparently this is before her children were involved in a car crash. They were taking one of them to hospital. Uh, she was elsewhere, so she wasn't going. The nanny was taking them to hospital. It's nice, isn't it? Nice to know when you're a double bankrupt, you can afford a nanny. Woo! Can't wait to be a double bankrupt. Anyway, apparently, worried pals... What pals has she got? I didn't think she had any friends. Uh, say she's on the verge of a breakdown after a week from hell. So she has a week from hell, she's on the verge of a breakdown. Amazing, isn't it? You know, I've had a really good week. I don't feel at all suicidal. But she has a week from hell. And what is the week from hell? The kids were involved in a car crash. She wasn't there, of course, but now it's, it's all... And her mum came down from wherever, and a pum... Her, her, her pum? Her mum has a potentially fatal heart condition hours before the... Ch- I mean, it really, it's just all... Coll- it's just a whole week of things happening. Heavens above, I don't know how she gets through life. Must be difficult when you don't pay your way, doesn't it, love? Anyway, Kerry raced to hospital. You know, probably on the bus or something. Can't believe she's allowed to drive, not with her history. Anyway, apparently she's beside herself and uh, she rushed straight to the hospital. It was just all a bit traumatic and luckily she'll be selling the story to OK magazine this week. So you better relive the moment again and again and again, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, apparently Molly, Heidi, Lily, Sue and Max have been involved in an accident. I mean, good God, I mean, it sounds dreadful, doesn't it? Anyway, they're all unhurt. OK, so it's not maybe as dramatic as we thought it was in the first place. A friend says, Sue, this is the mother... She's, uh, she's carrying a bit too much weight, uh, mainly through to the tattoos, I think. She isn't in a good way. She's overweight and drinks and smokes, and she's never looked after herself very well. Kind of says it all, doesn't it, really? Kind of says it all. You know, if you're actually overweight and you drink and smoke and you never look after yourself, you're kind of heading for a disaster. You know, I, don't, I mean, I don't... As you know me, I couldn't really care less about people's weight. It's never bothered me in the slightest. I'm carrying my own little weight from... I have good days and bad days, you know. When people say you have a fat day and a thin day... I do have fat and thin days. Other people I'm looking at round here only have fat days. You know, and I, and I, I, mean that in, I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, lady. I mean that in a, in a caring way, you know, because I want people to be around for well, about another week or so, really. Not any longer than that. Otherwise, you have to start buying birthday and Christmas presents, and then it starts becoming very tedious. This is, the, this is I mean, I don't want to mention any names, but people who don't go visit their mum on Mother's Day or buy them a present. You know, people like that, I think. You know, you, they deserve to be picked on in life. I think everybody deserves to be picked on for something. Oh, Alicia is, uh, is quitting. Natalie Anderson. Now, I didn't think you'd know who she was. She, she's quitting Emmerdale, so that's two good reasons. Firstly, you've never heard of her. Secondly, you've probably never watched Emmerdale. But uh, she's been playing Alicia Metcalf for five years, which is even more embarrassing because nobody knows who she is at all. So, in other words, you don't even know who she is. She's been playing it for five years. You'd think she'd have made an impact. But, unfortunately, she didn't make an impact. So, she might as well go now, mightn't she, really? Kids of 12, according to one of the papers, are dealing heroin. 27 kids a week are arrested for selling drugs. 
I know, but you know, when I was younger, you know, what people were swapping cigarette cards and you know, and Brookbond PG tips cards in the playground. You know, <coughs> I don't think anybody would have realised if somebody had come up and said, "Do you want to buy some drugs?" They go, "What aspirin?" That's about as good as it got when I was younger. Uh, Ollie Mers has finally admitted he's no presenter. Oh, well, there you go. It's nice when they admit it themselves, isn't it, really? He's no presenter, but he's got the personality and people like him. So will he do well with Caroline Flack? I think she'll probably drag him down a little bit. And um, the widow of rugby league star Danny Jones was waiting to hear if their twin babies have the gene defect that killed their dad. Which is always a, always a worrying time. Son this, May, uh, this morning, Rio Ferdinand, our family, thanks for all your support after his wife died. Uh, also, Ben Cohen and Christina Rianoff apparently spent the night together after partying at his charity bash. The dancer greeted ex-England rugby ace Ben, who's always denied a romance, at her West London flat at 1am. No, it's absolutely outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. And so, you know, when they asked the, the judges how many hours did Ben spend overnight at Christina's? Seven! Plus three. Ten hours, apparently. At uh, 1.16am, he went in there. And uh, and then and then he sort of left about 11.31am. I mean, to be honest with you, perhaps they were playing Scrabble. Sometimes you can have long Scrabble games. I don't see why people would actually, uh, you know, sort of worry about that. I mean, he, he sort of quick-stepped into the flat. But did he poker? You know, or did he waltz or something? We don't know. We have no idea at all. How many hours did he spend there? Ten hours. But, I mean, it is possible to be friends, because he's always denied a romance, hasn't he? And I believe that there was something in the back of my mind. Didn't his mother intervene and sort of get very angry about it because he, he dumped his girlfriend or wife or whatever it was? Uh, that's right, Abby, he was married to, and they, they announced they were taking a break. I mean, quite clearly, he's, uh, he's a little bit smitten. If you go back to somebody's flat... You know, having already said, oh, no, there's nothing going on and I'm not doing it. Obviously, the alarm bells are going to ring. People are going to be saying, you know, is it is it sort of right that he should go back there? The answer is he can do anything he likes. But don't don't tell lies to us. That's not nice. Uh, the rail company who had to apologise. Did you hear about this one yesterday? The rail company. Apparently, this was a loudspeaker announcement of a death on the line. They were reportedly twice told that a hold up was due to somebody who couldn't be bothered to live anymore. Normally, they say due to an incident on the line. Uh, but the, the person in this one says it was somebody who couldn't be bothered to live anymore. Now, when I first heard it, I have to be honest, I did think, well, you're quite right. You're quite right. It, I mean, I know it's not PC, but of course, then I'm not particularly PC on this. I would sort of sit there and think to myself, that's not very nice, but at least you're telling us the truth. Because they don't normally say if it's somebody who's thrown themselves in front of a train. They normally say it's an incident. And I always think, well, I don't, what, what do they mean by an incident? And then this one said it's somebody who couldn't be bothered to live anymore. This was on the 1630 First Great Western service from Paddington to Plymouth. Apparently they were left cringing, but they looked like that on that train anyway. Have you seen them on there? Yeah, going to Plymouth. Plymouth? What do you want to go to Plymouth for? Ghastly place. Apparently furious, Esme Phillips says, the woman in question mentioned this person's act of suicide with such disdain passengers around, including myself, cringed. God, they're getting very vocal, aren't they, passengers on trains? Just sit there and shut up, OK? The train will be delayed for an hour. Well, what, what's it due to? Somebody's coming to suicide. You know, that's what it comes down to, isn't it, now? And so they all sit there and they cringe. What, do you look around the whole train, dear, to watch people going, oh, no, oh, no. People just sitting there, they're going, oh, no, we're going to be late now, aren't we? 
That's all they think about. People are very selfish on this train. So uh, so apparently there's going to be an investigation. That'll take forever and a day, won't it? Coming up to the news at 7 o'clock this Sunday morning on LBC. It's the 24th of May. The seven-year-old, he got grade eight on the piano. That is seriously good. Spurned by Britain's Got Talent in favour of some old woman who wrote an ode to Apple Crumble. It really is quite ridiculous. Um, Omar Sharif has been hit by... Alzheimer's, who did buy Prince Andrew that gold Apple watch? Was it a freebie? What do you If he'd bought it himself, would he tell you? Because I didn't think you can get them at all at the moment. Uh, White D, trying to raise £15,000 to get the body of her goddaughter flown back to this country. Haven't you got £15,000, White D? That's a bit of a disappointment. Your agent's constantly telling us how much money you're making. I'd have thought you'd have stuck you around in your own pocket. Perhaps you haven't made as much money as he keeps telling us you have. Or is that from the tax man? It's LBC. On FM, online, on your mobile, and on digital radio. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC. This is LBC. Leading Britain's conversation. With Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's nice to be company. It's Sunday, the 24th of May. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast, this bank holiday Sunday. Doesn't sound good to say that, this bank holiday Sunday. I'll tell you what the weather is very shortly. Uh, Ireland's historic vote to legalise same-sex marriage is the main story in The Observer. They say the move's been hailed as a social revolution. The Mail on Sunday reports the Thomas Cook former chief executive is due to receive an £11 million bonus next month. That's despite the company's criticism over the deaths of the two British children in a Corfu hotel. Incidentally, they rebranded the hotel room where it happened. They put a different number on the door. They've now agreed that they made a mistake and they're pulling it down. Do you know why has it taken so many years? Cock up after cock up after cock up. It's LBC. And apparently, according to uh, the handmade pie and ale house, I'm well behind the times. Apparently, fish and chips, bit naff for a wedding. You know, if, if, you, if, if, if I went to a wedding and the, and the dinner was fish and chips, I'd think I was in the wrong place. Seriously, I really would. But uh, pie weddings are well trendy. Somebody says, think you're behind the curve. I, w- I mean, I love pies, don't get me wrong. I mean, you only have to look at me to realise I quite clearly must like pies. But not for a wedding. Not for a wedding. That really is chavy chav chav. That seriously, that is people who can't afford proper food. They've obviously been there and they've said uh, fifteen to twenty pounds a head. Oh, we can't afford that. Can't afford that. So we'll have pies. That's what the wedding, uh, the wedding breakfast is going to be for today. Sounds a bit tedious, doesn't it? Really. Eight four eight five zero. Why didn't Ruth Langsford, says Sean in Camden, ask, uh, and Eamon Holmes, ask Kim Marsh why she can't hold down a relationship when she was on this morning on Friday? I don't know. Did they not ask? That would have been my first question. How come you can't hang on to a relationship? Mind you, I'd be asking Kelly Brook the same question. You know, how, how come you can't keep a relationship? Uh, 84850, steve at uk. James Griffiths says, I was upset to learn about uh, Twinkle. Uh, she had a follow-up, apparently. She wasn't all that famous, says James in Worcester, but her songs really embody the spirit of the 60s. I will be spinning her best-of record a little later today in tribute. Yeah, she had Terry... We were to me. Do you not remember it? I'm going to really hit you in a minute. You're really getting on my nerves this morning. Sorry, that's the producer. It's nothing to do with you at home. But somebody, you know when people sit there and they look at you and they smile at you, but you know the brain's switched off. You know that, you know, you know when it's exactly. They've got that look about them. And you go, have you heard of Terry and Twinkle? And they sort of shake and you think, you really are getting on my nerves. 
I think you have to be a certain age. <laughs> a certain age. Uh, Pat says, uh, Melody, my cousin Tracy Hyde, was in that. She played the girl. Injecting insulin, my mother-in-law used to inject at the uh, dinner table wherever she was through her tights. Yes, I, I haven't done it through my tights, but I have injected at the dinner table. I've done it in pubs as well. People are always fascinated. Seriously, people are fascinated. Oh, you inject, yeah. And you put the needle on. It's only, the needles are so small, seriously. Seriously, it's not going not gonna to make any difference. She said, the Irish vote, very happy. People should be free to marry whoever they love. Absolutely, they're delighted over there. Dee, who's been producing me for quite a, um, quite a while on this programme, and Pordy, they've got pictures on the, uh, on the, uh, the internet, all looking very happy. And that's, that's how it should be. Goodness sake, live and let live. Let's not be silly about the whole thing. Listening in the Dominican Republic, big fan, says uh, Ian, currently in uh, Punta Cana as part of an airline crew. A lot is included in holiday packages and the weather is great. Well, I'll tell you, everyone I've spoken to who's been to the Dominican Republic absolutely loves it. Absolutely loves it. Uh, checked out the Royce Twins together with Brothers 3. Awesome talent, said Steve. Wish we had that over here. Yeah, I mean, I thought they were really good. Check it. I mean, if you haven't checked out the Brothers 3 on YouTube singing 500 Miles... There's no, uh, there's no justification because they're so, so good. BB says, how long do you think Gaza's 100, £188,000 beer money will last? This is the money that he got for the phone hacking the other day. Do you remember? £188,000. And I said, wouldn't it be nice if Paul Gascoigne, wouldn't it be nice if he maybe gave back to the people who gave him the money for him to go into rehab, which never worked? You know, wouldn't it be nice if he gave back or gave to some of the hospitals? Do you think he's done that? I would like to think he would. But unfortunately, there's a little bit inside me that goes, and I bet he's not giving one penny piece. Um, yes, I'm now known as the Duracell Bunny of early morning radio. The Duracell Bunny. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And uh, very sad about Terry Supat. Unbelievably been there for a month, says Janice South Norwood. She says, well, well done on the review. Yes, this was the uh, review of my weekday programme in The Guardian this week where the bloke said it's like being stuck behind somebody who's driving you to the airport and you, you're not expected to comment on it. He said he just sits there and talks two and a half hours. He says, but I quite like it. He said, and if, if energy is what makes up radio programmes, Steve Allen is the early morning Duracell bunny of the radio. Stop it. Make up your own jokes at home. So, some people do, I realise. I don't want to be known as that. It's just, we're just calling it a Duracell bunny, all right? I know it's also got other names. Not on this programme. Uh, London's weather for today. Here we go. This, this is what you can expect. Ready? Dry. So, so I'm reading it slowly because some people are half asleep when they listen to this show. I know that. Judging by some of the texts and emails I get. Dry with sunny intervals at first, but cloud and outbreaks of rain will move southwest across the region during the afternoon. Perhaps eventually brightening up later. Reasonably warm until the rain arrives. Oh, it's good because I brought the wrong coat, as usual. I'm always bringing the wrong coat. I went down to see my brother yesterday, and in the end, I took the coat off in the car, but I discovered the delights of Werther's Originals with a soft caramel centre. Oh, well, I don't... Don't buy them. Don't buy them. Evil. Spawn of the devil, they are. They're dreadful. Once you've eaten one, you just, you just keep eating the blooming things. In the end, I had to throw them onto the back seat so I couldn't reach them. I was annoyed with myself. I said, go away. Go away, I said to them. You know, old people eat those, don't they? Yeah, but, some, but your teeth, you have to take your teeth out so you can suck the caramel out through the uh, middle of it. Because it's only thin candy coating. I didn't know I'd bought the soft caramel centred one. I thought I'd bought the normal ones. But that's me again. And then I see my brother yesterday. I tell you, it must be running in the family. Because I sent a text the other day. After I went out for lunch on, <laughs> I must tell you this, on Friday. And I went out with a friend of mine, uh, Jonathan, who makes the document. He did the documentary on 
um, Broadmoor, and he did the uh, Peaches Geldof documentaries and all those sort of things. And he's working for a company now developing ideas for television programmes. We were going to go to Joe Allen's, but they were being filmed... And they were obviously doing some roaring 50s thing, because there's all the people standing in the street in 50s gear. You'd have loved it. And um, it was it, that was really good. So we couldn't eat in there, but they've got orsos next door. So we ate in orsos, which was really lovely. But we only managed to get through one bottle of Prosecco, which is unusual, because normally sort of during a lunchtime, you know, we should be able to clear quite a few of these things. But it was sort of a little bit laid back. Anyway, so... I then go back and Jonathan sends me, because he, he actually paid, so Friday was a really cheap day, and he sent me things saying, we must do another lunch, let's make it on a regular basis every month, because it's all a bit spasmodic, and I said, that's fine. So I sent back a thing, thank you very much indeed for my lunch, but in, inadvertently, I sent it to my bank manager, and so, and so she then writes back to me going, why are you thanking me for your lunch? She said, you've obviously got some sort of dementia going on. And so I said, no, 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 I sent it to the wrong person. She said, at this moment, I'm seeking power of attorney over your account. She said, you won't be able to access anything at all. So I thought that was nice. And then yesterday, I go down to my brother, having thought, I've obviously lost the plot. And my brother said, oh, it's, uh, I need to tell you about Christmas. It's probably changed this year. So I said, you've told me. He said, have I? When? I said, you told me last week. Well, he couldn't remember. the You know, it's obviously, the older you get, you know when somebody... You start telling a story, and you can tell by the way they've glazed over that you've told them a million times, but you can't remember that you've told them the story. So I'm see- I keep having all these senior moments. I need the bank holiday to recharge the battery. It's all got a bit, uh, all got a bit pear-shaped as far as I'm concerned. So if you're in that situation where you can't remember anything either, you're in good company because we're all doing it. I seriously can't remember. Sometimes I can't remember things. I think, did I say that? Who did I say that to? Did I say... And the other day, I had a parcel from FedEx. But because I wasn't in, they won't leave it. So they put a card through your door saying, you know, what would you like us to do with it? I thought, well, if I actually told you that, I'd be up in court. So anyway, I said, I, they, they have to go onto the internet and you can either arrange to have it left, you know, in a, pla- a designated place. I thought, like, the letterbox, but obviously that didn't feature. But it said, w- do you have a secret place at home we can leave it? I thought, again, a court case. So I, I was thinking to myself openly, you know, because I really don't have the time at the moment. And um, and so I, I, I then filled in the form, and you have to fill in everything. Your postcode, the 16-digit number on the card, then there's another number, then your phone number, then your postcode, then your sort of name, then your next of kin, your mother's maiden name, and so it goes on. All for a blasted thing coming from America. Why can't you just push it through the letterbox? It can't be that big. So I've now got to drive to Chertsey, and you have to tell them when you're going. Like it's, you know, open and shut sort of case. I've got to go on Tuesday, because I'm working on the assumption they're not open bank holiday Monday. So that kind of really annoyed me a little bit. And I can't remember why I was telling you that story. Anyway, so uh, so all in all, quite quite a nice weekend. But I didn't get my parcel from America, which I wanted because I was half... Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, part of it... <laughs> call to arms. Call to arms. <laughs> Robin in Sherwood Forest calling me out there to join the Merry Men. <laughs> sorry about that. I keep... I get into trouble over this. Seriously, you think I don't get into trouble. I really do. I've had producers get really cross. It's from Jonathan Levi. He says, was a lovely lunch, wherever we were and whoever we were with. <laughs> I don't know either. It's half the time. It was lovely, but he had smoked salmon for starters and I had soup. So he'd finished his in about a minute and I was droning up because it was so hot. <laughs> Funny way to earn a living, isn't it, really? It's uh, quarter past... Steve Allen on LBC. 19 minutes past uh, seven, so the wedding taking place uh, today and they bought each other watches. Uh, one is 
28,000, and the other one is 24,000. Somebody said that they wanted to buy each other presents that they could use every day. See, I thought condoms, but obviously somebody thought watches, you know, obviously make far more sense. But a £28,000 watch. How could you ever walk down the road with a £28,000 watch on your wrist? And having told people you've got a £28,000 watch, I mean, that was, that's just rubbing people's noses in it. Talking of rubbing people's noses in it, and my God, there's enough of it. Benefit Street's Little Dot. This is another one of these lazy layabouts on the television who's on a five-star break. Apparently, her real name's Dorothy Taylor. She lives on an estate in Stockton, and she's featured in the second series, but she's with the family, and they're just swigging the booze and doing all the rest of it. Frankly, these people make me physically ill. Uh, Friends are fearing for George Michael, as he's become a bit of a troubled recluse. Now, I don't see anything the matter with being a troubled recluse. Um, He didn't skip the wedding of Jerry Halliwell. He didn't want to go to it. It's not a case if he didn't skip the wedding. There were loads of people who didn't go to the wedding, as you now know. Uh, Despite this publicised comeback... It's now um, 615 days, they've said, since George appeared in public. Um, he was invited to Jerry's wedding where they were so close, but hes uh, they've fallen out. They haven't been friends for ages and ages, so I don't know why he would bother. She was a bit needy, and uh, he's had his issues with different bits and pieces. Why, why would he want to go out? If he don't want to go out, he's got a big enough house. His, uh, his partner left, and uh, I'm sure he's on good form. But they're, they're, they're sort of trying to make it out as if he's having some sort of breakdown or something. But uh, he's quite happy with himself. Quite happy with himself. I don't see why. And also, he certainly wouldn't want to be going along to uh, to Jerry Halliwell's wedding. Why would he want to go to that? They haven't spoken to each other in ages and ages. Uh, I don't normally bother with Louise Mench's column because it's a bit tedious and boring. Uh, but she does say one thing about uh, Sally Morgan. Remember Sally Morgan? You like Sally Morgan, don't you? She's the psychic to the stars. In her mind. She apparently used to be Princess Diana's psychic. But of course you can say anything now Princess Diana's not here. Princess Diana and I used to go out for tea and coffee all the time. And I don't make a big deal about it, do I? She used to phone me at home and say, been a dreadful day, Steve. And I'd say, listen, Di, don't worry about it. So, uh, you know, it's about as believable as Sally Morgan. Anyway, Sally Morgan has uh, managed to lose weight by getting gastric band surgery. Which is lovely, isn't it? Uh, Louise says, "Don't, don't knock it. It's done wonders for a succession of obese people who can't manage to shift the suffocating fat on their own. American presidential contender Chris Christie is another celebrity success story who's had the last ditch op. But really, Sally, the spirit of my dead grandfather told me I was eating myself to death. That's what she said. Seriously, she's that barking mad. And you know how she does it in that sing-songy voice? He's here, dear. He's with me. He's here, darling. He loves you. He's on the stage with me now. There's nobody on the stage. There's nobody there, apart from the woman with the biggest bottom in the world. Anyway, having sort of said the spirit of my dead grandfather told me I was eating myself to death, Louise Mensch says you'd already suffered a heart attack before this apparent vision arrived. Wasn't that a message from your living body before you heard from the dead one? And frankly, at 23 stone, didn't the mirror tell you all you needed to know? Oi, fatty! Exactly. When she came on stage, her bottom arrived two minutes before the rest of her. It's as simple as that. And then she goes, the spirit of my dead grandfather. I mean, for goodness sake, I say, how stupid do you think we are in this country? They must think we're really daft. Louis Walsh has done an interview with the papers today. Uh, now, I don't care what anybody says about Louis Walsh. I don't care if people say, you know, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He babbled. He's got to put up with that ghastly Cheryl Versace Vassini spag bowl. I mean, to be honest with you, the most dreary, boring, talentless woman you've ever seen on the television. They might like her if she does, but then she opens her mouth. 
and she knows nothing. Last single, nothing. Last album, nothing. Give it up, love. Just, just wander around and kind of look pretty, but keep your mouth shut. Louis has track. He has track record. He can put bands together. He can make people very successful. He knows exactly what he's talking about. And so he's given this interview where, you know, he's, he's said here, any artist with a big career can't commit to it. And that's what they do. Everybody wants to be famous. They ask kids what they want to be. They want to be famous. They think it's something big. On, uh, on Sharon Osbourne, he says Simon can't control her, so he won't hire her. Uh, he thinks Robbie Williams would be the number one choice, but he's busy touring. Is he? Robbie Williams is touring, is he? Good heavens above, honestly. That one's bypassed me a little bit. But I like Louis I've always liked Louis Walsh because he knows what he's talking about. I wouldn't take a blind bit of notice because you're worth it. I'm not remotely interested in what old, you know, midget from Newcastle is going to tell us. I couldn't care less. Couldn't care less. It's like the other day. Who was it? Somebody was saying, oh, that's right. They've got a quote from um, Stephen Fry about the vote in Ireland. So is Stephen Fry the only gay person or something? And whenever because he was at the uh, is it the Ross on Y Hay Festival or the Hay Festival or something? And he talked about the voting. Who cares what Stephen Fry thinks? Why on earth would you be going to Stephen Fry? So gay people get the vote in Ireland, and it's same-sex marriages. Who do we go to? Stephen Fry. Heavens above! What is he? Is he the embodiment of everything that gay people want to be represented by? Gee, lose the will to live, don't you? Anyway, um, so we're not too sure whether or not Ben did have the night with Christina Rianoff. I think he did. I think there was a little bit of rumbering going on, you know. I know. It's horrible to think about, isn't it? Oh, here's a picture of Lewis Hamilton. He looks odd. He's de- Something's gone wrong here. I don't know what's happening with him. I was quite right the other week when I, when I talked about uh, the fact that he started wearing the most ludicrously hilarious clothes. He looks like a complete idiot. And now he appears to have had a makeover. They appear to have done his eyebrows. They've done his hair. And they've started sort of poncing him up a little bit. And he looks a little bit strange. But as I say, as, as interviews go, he's a bit dull, I'm afraid. Did you see that Kim Jong-un's brother was over here at a, at a, a Genesis concert or some, a concert somewhere? Kim Jong-un's brother, didn't even know he had a brother. Surrounded. Well, yeah, I did. They don't last long in his family, do they? But he, um, he was over here for a con- in this country. He'd come over from wherever it is. But he was surrounded by security. Surrounded by security, and the Japanese were trying to get pictures of him for various reasons, but they'd managed to infiltrate the area he was in to get pictures of him, to embarrass him, and his security men were pushing people around. Kim Jong-un's brother! Dear Lord. Things can't get much worse, can they? Uh, what else in the, in the paper today? Oh, Freddie, uh, Freddie Starr is in pieces. His wife has uh, split from him. Nothing at all to do with the fact that he is the only person I've ever walked out of a show of. Years and years ago, years ago... Freddie Starr, who was sort of end of the pier, and he was good at the Royal Variety performance, and that's where he became the overnight star. He did a Royal Variety performance, and he was hilarious. He did the whole bit. He did the Mick Jagger and everything else. And then he, he went round the bend, and then he started believing he was a cuckoo clock or something. I can't remember what it was, and he went through various wives and everything else, and they just, they just ended up. And I went to see him. They, they put him on stage at the London Palladium, but he had a habit, a very annoying habit, of if there were other people on the bill, which there were a lot of the time, he would walk on during their act and, and think he was being funny as opposed to just being a silly, irritating little person. And I remember there was a singer on stage, and she's singing her songs. I can't remember who it was now. And he just walks on stage. And he just sort of stands there with his arms folded looking at her. And then go, and you think, go away, you're not funny. It's not funny anymore. And, uh, and then you remember there was all that trouble. He was re-arrested four times and re-bailed and everything else. All sorts of, anyway, the wife left him. I think he's on wife number, 
Might be wife number four, I think. I mean, he was he's 40 years older than she was. Now they say he's, uh, he's, he's just sort of lost the will, I suppose. Because people rely on somebody, don't they? When we had Sherry Hewson, who was sh- saying that she was going to get cosmetic surgery to get a man, that's not going to get you a person. That's not... If I had cosmetic surgery, that wouldn't make me any more attractive, ladies and gentlemen. I know you might think it would. But physically, it would make me attractive. But, I mean, I'd still be exactly the same person inside. Bitter, twisted, caustic, you know, usual sort of things. And still slightly overweight. But, you know, cosmetic surgery, that's just the physical thing. I mean, obviously, everybody wants to go out with somebody attractive. God knows I've seen enough unattractive brides' pictures in the newspaper to realise that there's no such thing as a good-looking bride, because within a week, they're back to the uglies. You know, it's just the way it happens. You know, they always get women with their prams, and you look at the child, you think, my God, you're ugly. But you don't let everybody go, oh, look, it's a baby. Goo, 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 goo. And the child's looking at you thinking, you're dead. You know, it's just, it's just <laughs> bizarre, isn't it? It is bizarre. But we're we're obsessed. I mean, I work in a building. I'll be quite honest with you. There are some attractive people in here. I don't pers- I don't hang around with them. There's no point. I'm not going to boost their ego. But I work with attractive. And I think to myself. In fact, I said I did say to somebody the other day. I could have kicked myself for saying it. I did say to this person who works in the LBC office. I said, if I had your looks and my talent, you know. I'd be even more successful. And and then I thought, as soon as I said it, I thought you've said the wrong thing. You've laid your cards on the table. You've now accepted the fact that somebody in the office who, who, is, who is better looking than you are. I mean, the truth of the matter is, there, there, and I said to Tom Swarbrick, I said, listen, you know, if... Oh, so sorry again, you know, it's just... It's one of these things you can't help it. It just just pops out and, you know, I'm not engaging brain before opening mouth. But there are people who are very attractive. You think, God, if, if I was really good looking, you know, but I mean, I wasn't. And, and I never will be, so I've had, to, I've had to sort of develop a personality, which, you know, is kind of... Because I think you can have a great personality, but be absolute rubbish in company. Luckily, I'm good in company as well. It's good. But I just don't have the looks. I don't have the looks. I'm a little bit like Zayn Malik. And the reason... Well, I'm nothing like Zayn Malik because I was never in One Direction and I can't sing for Toffee. But, I mean, apart from that, we're both in this in this hurly-burly showbiz world. And he got to the point where the crazy lifestyle was turning insane. You get that? Insane. Little play on words there. And, um, and so he decided to opt out of it. But now he's been out of it a little while. He now wants to go back in again. Well, I don't think you can do that. The reason that it got a bit crazy for him is I think that maybe there were things going on in his private life that maybe wouldn't have been as acceptable uh, in somebody else's life. And I think he he dabbled with little things. And then all of a sudden you get a bit paranoid and you have to opt out. So midway during the tour, off he goes. Have you noticed, though, they sound exactly the same on stage without him? They don't sound any different at all. No different. And whether or not he makes it as a solo artist, I don't know. There are all these people who leave groups. Who did they have in the paper the other day? Aston Merigold from JLS. Well, they split years ago, mainly because they weren't selling records anymore. Record companies are a bit fickle nowadays. You know, they use people, they're very popular, then they sort of drop them. Now he's come back and apparently he's sort of itching to get back in the charts and wants to get back performing. And I'm thinking, I don't know whether or not you can do that nowadays. I don't think that you can actually be in a group, leave it, and then have a successful solo career. I think it takes an awful lot. You've got to have a really big company behind you to push you and to make sure you're out there and doing all the stuff. Whether or not the fans buy records or stick with you, I don't know. I'm not totally convinced that they do. It's seven. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to uh, 8. Stig Abel will be along at 8 o'clock with breakfast this morning. Uh, oh, it's Ian Payne. Is it? Oh, I'm so sorry. 
so sorry. It's Ian Payne this morning. Lord, I'm honestly... They look so similar. They look so similar. Sorry, Ian. Uh, remember Gemma Worrell? Remember Gemma Worrell? You might not remember Gemma Worrell. Uh, she was the beautician from Blackpool who thought Britain had a president called uh, Barack Obama. Seriously, Barack Obama. Clearly concerned by the escalating crisis between Russia and Ukraine last year, Gemma took to Twitter to ask if Barack Obama is our president. Why is he getting involved with Russia? Scary. Everybody had a good laugh. Everybody had a good laugh. In her defence, Gemma indignantly declared she had a GCSE in English. So there, after she trended all round the world and received thousands of mocking tweets, branding as stupid, dumb and a lot worse, Gemma tweeted, Right, I get it. I'm no good with politics. I'm just... But the experience had taught her something, if only the fact that Barack Obama was the US president. And to describe the West threatening Russia over U- Ukraine as scary was pretty much what the BBC World Affairs editor John Simpson had been saying on the Today programme. Well, Gemma has a rival for this year's title of Bird Brain of Britain. Give it up, please, ladies and gentlemen, for 21-year-old mother of one, Devon Boone. Yes, she really is called Devon Boone. If ignorance is bliss... She must be an ecstatically happy young woman. Ditsy Devon became baffled during the last few weeks of electioneering by constant online references to somebody called David Cameron. So she went to Facebook to ask, who's David Cameron and why do people keep posting about him? Her 2,000 Facebook friends were stunned and assumed she was joking. But Devon, from Newcastle under Lyme in Staffordshire, wasn't finished yet. She went on to say Tony Blair and Osama bin Laden were the only prime ministers she'd ever heard of. And Barack Obama, he was a terrorist. She later admitted she got him and bin Laden the wrong way round. Devon, who apparently got an A-level in art, also said she could have Googled David Cameron, but my phone's slow. She told a reporter, The last I heard, Tony Blair was prime minister. I thought David Cameron must be a celebrity or something. I don't watch the news, and we didn't get taught about politics in school. I actually thought you had to pay to vote. Seriously, she is this thick. Seriously. Instead, they teach you about the parts of a leaf and how flowers reproduce, which nobody needs to know. Devon does have a point. She works in customer services for an insurance firm, a job which doesn't require any knowledge whatsoever of pollination in plants. With the help of her Facebook friends, she's now learning a lot about life. That's surely much better than wasting the taxpayer's money studying for a useless degree in golf course management or event hospitality at some Mickey Mouse university, isn't it? That's what Charlie Catchpole wrote today. The trouble is, every so often, and the sun gave her a double-page spread. A double-page spread, and I thought to myself, why are we applauding somebody who is so dim? It's really embarrassing. It's really, you know, it's nothing clever to be stupid. And yet we've got somebody in the Big Brother house who I think is just about the most stupid person I've ever seen. Oh, no, we found another one. Uh, the Showbiz Week in Focus. Chloe Madeley's followers apparently love the endless selfies. But um, the fitness instructor, joke of the century, has been having a Twitter spat with Katie Hopkins. Who's with us tomorrow on LBC? Did you know that? I thought you'd be delighted. Three hours this time. Three hours. Anyway, uh, Katie Hopkins, who suggested Chloe's dad, Richard, should tell his daughter to put it away or put some clothes on. And so Chloe posted a picture just to... She's a bit overexposed and completely talentless, I'm afraid. Mind you, the embarrassment. The embarrassment. Did you hear the story? Did you hear the rumour? Richard Madeley for Strictly Come Dancing. God, how the mighty have fallen. Honestly, at one time, big star on the television, their own now Strictly Come Dancing. Even worse. Who could be worse than Richard Madeley? Word reaches our ear, ladies and gentlemen, that Peter Andre could be heading for Strictly Come Dancing. Obviously, no work in the book. Nothing going on. 
Nothing going on. Peter's 60-minute makeover might involve him straightening his hair out for the programme. Peter Andre having to dance. And if he gets kicked out in the first week, that's killed his career stone dead. Richard Madeley will just be smarmy. But secretly, I like Richard Madeley. Seriously, he's a really good interview. He's a really good interview. It's just, it's a little bit too over the top when you watch him by himself. He's covered for, uh, for the right stuff a few times, and that, that doesn't quite work for me. But as an interview, he's, he's actually great fun. But you do feel like saying to it, because I, to be honest with you, he's got great charisma. Very sexy. Very sexy. Whereas Judy... Well, anyway, uh, so they've, they've got, you know... so. <laughs> Just being cruel again, just being cruel. But the very idea that Strictly Come Dancing, apparently they were saying in one of the papers yesterday that they've been after Peter Andre for some time. I know, music lovers have as well. They've been after him, they want to lynch him. They can't bear the idea that he's still actually laughingly referring to himself as a singer. I mean, seriously. But to put him on Strictly Come Dancing, how the mighty have... I mean, you know that your career is finished when they have to put... It's either that or Big Brother. And Peter Andre has done Big Brother and it still didn't resurrect a career, did it? So I'm sure he's earning some money for it, but this he, he, he can't wonder about being, you know, charming old Peter Andre, you know, get, hi, Peter Andre, hi. Irresistible me. Yeah, people are going to kill him. They're going to kill him. He has to learn to dance with a woman. And, and to be honest with you, I don't think he's ever danced like that at all. He'll have to do all sorts of things, and he's going to look ridiculous. I mean, I'm, seriously, no, I mean that in a caring way. I mean, I will be delighting in it. But whether he or Richard get voted out first, I don't know who the other people are. It's the only two names that have come into the frame. And the meeting of the egos is going to be horrendous because, you know, little Pizzi has an entourage that go with him to massage his ego and say, you're really funny, you're really good. Thank you. And uh, oh, that's Michael Jackson. Anyway, so, so well, he thinks he's Michael Jackson. Have you seen any of his stage shows? No, nope, nobody has. Nobody's ever seen them. They used to do them on the television. But when it got to the act, you saw him rehearsing. And he, th- he thought he was wearing his little leather outfit and all the rest of it, doing a Michael Jackson thing. And then they never showed you the concerts. I suppose because it was really, it was just a bit naff. A little bit naff. But the idea that he's going to Strictly Come Dancing, I, I wanted to write to his agent, who's marvellous, she's really lovely, and sort of say, can't, can't you get anything else for him? I mean, is, is it really that, that difficult to actually find... Because I don't know where you put Peter Andre. I can't think... I mean, I don't... I, McDonald's? Burger King? Parking cars at a hotel? I don't know. 84850, steve at Small group of colleagues apparently had a great Eurovision party, says John, down in the local pub, until they hit on a new game, deciding on downing a drink every time the UK received nil poids. Of course, they've got the day to recover, haven't they? Oh, a lovely picture of goats. I've always wanted goats. I always thought goats are quite nice, but the trouble is, they eat everything, don't they? They could eat your anorak, your shoes. Seriously, they eat just about everything. But I quite because a lot of people are eating goat. You're eating goat inadvertently now. Do you see the story in the week in the papers where apparently one of those um, abattoirs had been secretly feeding us goat as opposed to beef and pot? Well, I couldn't tell the difference. I've got no idea. The time I've done it with my sprouts, I mean, you can't, you know, you can't tell the difference. I defy anybody. I don't know what goat tastes like, but I'm, secretly I might have. It's a bit like horse, isn't it, really? Uh, Cathy says the party's just finished in the flat above. Started about seven last night, waiting for a taxi now to go to work. Get back in time as the next party's starting. Isn't it funny that people... I I saw a guy the other day, and he was buying loads of little mini barbecues. Because people are obviously going to have loads of barbecues. So what what do the British do at the bank holiday weekend? We have a barbecue. And we go out there and we cook sausages, burnt chicken, and what else? James O'Brien was talking about barbecues the other day. And frankly, I think they're the most boring thing. If anybody ever says to me, listen, we're having a barbie, do you want to pop round? 
I'm busy. I'm painting the cat's toenails or something. I can't think of anything worse than a barbecue. But I bet there are people round here who are going, oh, we are, the Australians are oh, having a bit of a barbie and that kind of stuff, you know. And I was thinking, how dull, how boring. Small wonder they're that far away. God placed them so far away, we don't have to worry about the barbecue. No, I'm sure, seriously, I like Australians. Couldn't eat a whole one, but I mean, I quite like the idea that they're having barbecues. And they will be doing it. And do you know what the latest thing to put on the barbie is? You won't believe this one. Watermelon. Watermelon. I heard... I think it might have been Damon Albarn from Bleu, who, uh, who was on with James Brown, and he was saying that watermelon is the latest thing to put on the Barbie. Now, I've heard of bananas, but you can't put the banana actually on the Barbie. You have to wrap it in tin foil. I think with a bit of lemon juice to stop it going brown. A little bit of chocolate. Boy Scout trick. Really? Boy, Boy Scouts have got time to do bananas, have they, really? Well, there you go. Small wonder people want to join up, eh? We're having a, we're having a banana on the Barbie, boys. Oh, fantastic. Count me in, Steve. And so they're down there. Oh, right, you put chocolate. I thought you had to put something to stop it discolouring. Mm. Actually, to be honest with you, by the time you've eaten some half-cooked chicken and you've sort of got some dreadful illness which makes you throw up for the rest of the afternoon, the last thing I'll be thinking about is having a banana on the barbecue. I'm not that kind, but I, I do sit there, and, they, and people think that the more flames you've got, the better the barbecue. But of course, that's the worst thing. You don't want to cook on flames. You've got to wait till it dies down, and then you just cook on the heat because otherwise, it burns the outside. The inside is still pulsating. We 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 we, we we've had chicken still making noises before now, and sausages. You know, I mean, who wants to eat some burnt sausage? I've had barbecues before. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not a big fan of them. Just in case anybody's thinking of inviting me to a barbecue, I'm not. I'm not sort of the prophet of doom, which I sound like. <laughs> I just don't. I think if you're going to eat, go and eat in. Uh, Steve, Pete in Surrey, Kim Jong Un's brother was indeed in London to see Eric Clapton. He especially enjoyed "I Shot the Sheriff." Yes, one of his favourite songs. Of course, his, his brother just likes committing uh, murders, doesn't he? Non-stop. Lewis Hamilton looks a bit like Tintin. He looks odd. He looks odd. I, don't, I can't describe. Somebody's obviously given him some sort of makeover, but it's it's just a bizarre makeover. A biz- I saw him being interviewed once. All he does is he drives cars fast. We do it and we get pulled by the police. He does it and they give him loads of money and I think he lives in Monaco. All he does, he puts the accelerator to the floor. We could all do that. It's no big deal. It's not, not particularly clever, is it? Uh, Jane says, I'm a recluse and proud. You see, I don't think there's anything the matter with, with be, people being a recluse. That just means that you like, you know, to stay in and watch things. I mean, yesterday when I got back from my brother in the hanging baskets, I went out to do a few bits and pieces and I went back and uh, what did I have for tea yesterday? Oh, it was very boring yesterday. Frankfurters and beans. A bit unexciting. I know, even I thought it was unexciting. Oh, and mashed potato. How unexciting. And I bought smoked salmon. Might have to have that today. But it's going to rain this afternoon. Just thought you'd uh, like to know. And uh, off to the VE Day air show at REF Duxford. Today, all sorts of... Oh, how lovely, Sally. That'll be very nice. I'm very envious. That sounds like a very, very good day out. If you like mango, Sharwoods do a mango chutney. I used to have it. They used to... And you'd do it on poppadoms. You know when you go into the Indian restaurant? Oh, I used to love that. And reiti as well. You know, that sort of yoghurt. Don't look at me like that. You see, you know what... If I say yoghurt, you know what it is, but it's reiti. It's that white... Hopeless, isn't it, really? The British going out to eat. 14 to 8. Steve Allen on LBC. 10 to 8 is the time at 8 with breakfast this morning. Ian Payne is here. Uh, one of Ireland's most senior Catholic clerics has called on the church to take a reality check. After the vote in favour of same-sex marriage, Ian will be asking, is the church out of step with the rest of society? Yes. <laughs> 70-30. I mean, there will be people, won't there, who I'm assuming will be 
you know, anti it. But there again, why would you worry about something you don't know anything about and never need to worry about? And a German woman has given birth to quadruplets at the age of 65. It'll be asking, are you ever too old to be a parent? Yes. There you go. I've solved both of these problems straight away. At 65. So in other words, she's going to be 85 before the kids have grown up in 20 years. If she lives that long. If she only lives to 70, which is, you know, sort of, an, it could be an average, sort of, the kids are going to be five years old. And she's got quads. Quads, I ask you. All of that and more with uh, Ian, who's uh, on for breakfast this morning. Ian Payne here from 8 on LBC. So here's this little boy, the youngest boy ever to get grade 8 piano. And uh, they didn't want him on Britain's Got Talent. And I thought that was the whole idea. He's talented. He's talented. He's a very he's been in he's been dropped in favour of a comb player, a singing dog, which doesn't sing, and a woman who wrote an ode to Apple Crumble, who's been touring and is a professional act. And it's just I think it's just awful. I think it's absolutely dreadful. You know, he's he is the talent. He is the talent. He is the person who should be on there. Oh, they've got a picture of London's most colossal family home. Looks lovely, actually. I don't even know where it is, but it looks gorgeous wherever it is. This is uh, a mansion. It's got a leisure village in its gargantuan basements, parking for 25 cars and tunnels for servants. And the private owner is... can't tell you. I'll just tell you, he's Russian and he's a billionaire. A Russian billionaire. They're about the only people who can afford these ludicrous prices in London. Because if you... you really must do it, because it's ever so funny. Go to Knight Frank's website and type in Russia. And have a look at some of the ghastly properties that they've got on sale over there. But quite clearly appealing to people who've made their money in, let's just call it, dubious circumstances. OK, that's all I want to say about it, you know, because I quite like the Russians. OK, Dostoevsky. And, uh, and it's all quite good indeed. But they, they have the most ghastly places with bowling alleys and stuff like that in there. And you think to yourself, well, how do you want a house with a bowling alley? And then I thought, Mr. Mr. Sullivan, Mr. Day, David Sullivan, has a house in Essex with a bowling alley. And then I thought, I want one. And I thought, no, if I was going to have a nice big house, I think I want a swimming pool. I really want a swimming pool. Although somebody said to me, don't ever have a swimming pool put in because, you know, so I did go to a place once, a friend of mine who was, he was uh, working with Elton John for a while and he'd obviously earned enough money. And his whole back garden was a swimming pool. And in the middle of winter, there was ice all the way round the outside and snow. But the swimming pool was heated to the temperature of bath water. I mean, it was really... I mean, you could have taken the bar of soap in there and had the greatest fun ever. And we were splashing around in the middle of winter, freezing cold outside, but boiling hot in the water. It cost him a small fortune to keep the pool heated. And that's what, that, that was quite nice, I thought. Well, just me again. Anyway, just in time for the Barbie season, which might be today for about two hours, here is the gadget, because if there's one thing I hate, it's eating outdoors when the wasp comes a-calling. And they won't go away. And the, the truth of the matter is, I don't want to share my food with a wasp. But once it's landed on it, I don't want to eat it. So they've invented a gadget. And it's a thing here. It's about... It's called Shoe Away. And it's got its origins in Australia. There you go, you see? Australia. Good. Yeah. Anyway, and so it's like a fan with two... And then he went into a song and suddenly realised it was very inappropriate. Uh, designed like a fan with two flexible blades... Uh, at the end of which are holographic dots. It's battery-powered, so that's good news. We like battery-powered. And, in other words, it will keep these spots of light that fly. It's... it. I don't know what it is, but anyway, it sounds quite good. I quite like that. For 20 quid, and you put it on the table, and it whizzes round, and it keeps wasps away, because they think it's something else, because they get a little bit confused. I mean, whether it would work, I don't know. Because you can't use toxic chemicals. If you're having a barbecue, you can't start spraying it with flit, can you, or something like that. Because otherwise you can't eat the food at all. But it's, it's an intro. Oh, here's another picture of Lewis Hamilton. He looks odd. 
He's wearing these clothes. I mean, is somebody having a joke with him? Do you think somebody said to him, listen, can, can you put this outfit on here? If, you know, people will sort of have a good look at you. And you think, I don't know. I'm not too sure about that at all. Uh, and here is uh, Kieran Knightley. Uh, tough new jail terms for web paedophiles. And, uh, and this woman... Well, if this woman's 65, who's had the quad, she's the best-looking 65 I've ever seen. Mind you, Barbara Windsor is 77. Jim Dale was 80. I spoke to Jim the other day. You'll hear that next week on LBC. It's a, he's really on good form. Really, really on good form. And I think his opening night is in London on Thursday at the Bordeville Theatre. And he's going to be doing everything. He sings... He'll dance, he'll regale you with stories of the carry-ons and all the other things that he's done. And you'll hear the original version of the hit for Des O'Connor, Dicka Dum Dum, which he wrote. But he said Des put different words in it. Different words. Uh, 84850, steve at I've just realised we're just about running out of time. Margaret says, you amaze me how you can find something to talk about for two hours. Well, two and a half hours during the week, and tomorrow we'll do it for two and a half hours. Because I'm the Duracell bunny. And I just keep going and going, well, as long as the batteries are in. Still trying to work out, and we might get an answer in about a year's time, by which time you'll have forgotten about it. Uh, who bought Prince Andrew's little watch, which cost about £12,000, and he was deliberately uh, displaying it. Deliberately. There is a way, I mean, I wear a watch, but you don't see it because it's under my cuffs. His was visible, and that, to me, smacks of payola. That, to me, smacks of, we'll give you this watch, but can you wear it so people can see it? Because that's why it's made the newspapers. Otherwise, has anybody ever noticed his watch before? No. That's why. It's quite clearly something a bit devious. Don't like it at all, actually. Um, more in the papers today on um, Electro Velvet. I didn't do a tall well, did they? But uh, Conchita Wurst doing very well indeed with an album that's gone, I think, platinum. Platinum. Across uh, across Europe, which is uh, which is absolutely great, absolutely great. So that's uh, so that's lovely. So um, Omar Sharif with his dementia, which is not so good. And uh, guess who's been spotted? Uncle Harry spotted on a visit to Charlotte. Yes, Prince Harry. What does he do for a living? We've got no idea, have we? We've got no idea what he does for a living at all. He just seems to have pictures taken. He went to the Chelsea Flower Show. Can you really see Prince Harry digging over a flower bed? No, me neither. Me neither. I see him doing loads of other things, but uh, definitely not digging over a flower bed. And that's just about it for this morning. It's all happened a little bit too quickly, hasn't it? You know, it only seems a short while ago that we started. We didn't get round to a load of things. We didn't get round to Sharon Osbourne, who's taking a month off... Uh, because she's not very well. Uh, we didn't get round, although they will, uh, on breakfast this morning, to the bonus paid to a Thomas Cook executive of £11 million. Pounds. I mean, I can't believe that at all. I really can't believe it. Ireland saying yes to the gay marriages. I mean, that made all the bulletins, and it was 70-30, and no doubt people will be talking about that this morning as well. Uh, the BBC playing uh, paying Jeremy Clarkson a million pounds. A million pounds, but this will be for the live shows and uh, worth every penny because ever since he was he was dropped from the program and the whole program went um the increase in the tickets kind of went through the roof which is good we're still asking the question about ben cohen did he really spend all night with uh christian rianov the answer is he certainly did and uh, sally morgan hilarious her grandfather told her you know in one of those sort of strange things she has you're too fat I'd have thought just climbing out of the shower and standing in front of the mirror, that would be the thing that would be the indicator for Sally Morgan that she was carrying a wee bit of weight. And I didn't bring you the story about Whitby. 
losing the plot, so I'll do it on tomorrow morning's programme. You can listen to LBC whenever and wherever you like by downloading the LBC app. And if you missed any of today's show, there's the LBC podcast app, available for iPhones and Android phones too. It's lbc.co.uk. My In Conversation with uh, Kit Harrington and... Tito Jackson is on at nine o'clock this evening on LBC. It's a repeat of the programme you heard this morning. And uh, it's well worth it. They're both on really, really fine form. So we do it again tomorrow morning. I think the weather's going to be great. I wouldn't bother with a barbecue. I mean, apart from that, it's naff, you know, to have a barbecue. Well, you just go out and do something interesting today. But stay listening to the radio, because at ten o'clock this morning, it's Beverly Turner on LBC. But next, standing in for Stig Abel, it's Ian